seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 225 of Color Magic, your magic gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Dequan Watson, and for 225 episodes, still got my main man, hopefully getting more sun than I'm getting right now. Brian Allen, how's it going, dude? 225, we are still on the technically qualified at the cruiser weight for about, I guess, 15 more episodes or so. That's true. That's true. Yeah, man. I, the weather's been crazy here. Like, it, I think for the last three weeks, we've had three days that didn't at least have some amount of precipitation, whether it's rain, drizzle, whatever. It's it been crazy up here. Washington. <laughs> you can't yeah, in the in the winter, no less. Like, it's it's been wild. But you know, hey, it hasn't been like twelve degrees or whatever. It's been in the like forties and fifties. So I'll I'll take it. <laughs> but we have a lot to cover in this episode. Uh, big story with Wizards possibly doing some business with the company people don't necessarily like. Uh, we have a lot of stuff as far as upcoming other games and things and some stuff on streaming. So this is going to be a heck of an episode. But before we get into everything, be sure to check out CoolStuffInc.com. Remember to use code DRAGON. It'll save you 5% on all your nerd purchases. And you can support the show directly by going to Patreon.com slash Color of Magic. It only takes a couple bucks. Helps us out. Helps keep the lights on, take care of a few things, replace some equipment in Brian's case right now. So, you know, we got some things happening. And you can always go to colorofmtg.com slash shop. Check that out. And I want to make sure to give a shout out to our patrons like we always do. So, Timmy Figs, thanks for being a patron. All right. Let's get into our lead story, though. If you've seen the news earlier today, or at least the reports, I won't even call it news necessarily, like... There was a little bit of panic because a company that people may have heard the name of, Tencent, was related to Wizards of the Coast. And people panicked a little bit because it sounded like Wizards was wanting to sell D&D to Tencent. And people got, as they like to say, their panties in a bunch. And it was uh, not pretty. And I and I get it, right? Depending what games you play, Tencent is involved with a lot of different big name game they properties. <laughs> They are everywhere and continuing. This is just part of they're continuing to add people's likeness to their collective. Yeah. And they, and they have been for years, right? This isn't new. So I get why some people were just like, what, wait, what D and D to Tencent? What is this? So I had to do some digging and it took a little while to try to piece this whole thing together. But what it looks like is first off, it's not a sale. Right? I think everything I could find, there was nothing that said it was an outright sale or at least an offer. So for now, I'm going to say the idea of them selling D&D is off the table. I don't think that's what's going on here. Everything sounds like it's a licensing play, some type of agreement for Tencent to make some D&D related products, technology, games, whatever. Wizard still retains the ownership of the IP of D&D. And I'm like, okay, that at least sounds more like it makes sense. Because we and have an example part, of that. Yeah, that's kind of how Pokemon Unite works. Nintendo obviously <laughs> still owns Pokemon, but, you know, Tencent gets to kind of do what they do with uh, MOBAs. Yeah, and depending on the game that you play, Tencent is able to get some reach in, like, China and some different things that you may not be able to. So, like, there's some business angles there as well. So... Who knows, right? Depending on what they agree to or what's going down, there could be multiple other things. Now, one of the interesting things I came across, and again, this is speculative, so this is me just piecing together like this story I found here and this person who knows somebody and, you know, some industry folks I know took about an hour and a half, two hours to kind of like put it all together. But it sounds like because of the success of Baldur's Gate 3, Larian may have at some point attempted to either make some type of deal with Wizards and the D&D product line or maybe either just couldn't afford it or they couldn't make it work out somehow, whatever the deal was. And they may have been the ones to put Wizards and Tencent kind of toward each other. Because Tencent is uh, an investor in Larian among, as we said, they own a billion properties. So yeah, they're everywhere. See, there you go. That makes sense. Which would then mean 
if Tencent could secure the deal, whether it's enough money or a bigger percentage or whatever, they will probably just turn to Larian and be like, yeah, let's make another one of them Baldur Gate things because that last one was hot. <laughs> right? like, one game of the year at the Game Awards. And I mean, it was nominated for just everybody that, that, that gives some kind of Game of the Year award. It was at minimum nominated and won several of them. Yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, it permeated pop culture in a lot of different ways. You saw a lot of people talking about it on TikTok and on YouTube, and it came up on a couple of different shows. So, like, it was one of those products that got so big. You know, people were making inside jokes about a random character in the game. You know, some, like, sexual relation with this person. And you're like, what's that about, right, if you didn't play it? But, like, it's been everywhere. So, I totally get it. I mean, the best piece of... The best piece of content with the D and D brand on it ever. <laughs> yeah, and that's I don't, a history I don't that even goes think... back. How old is D and D now? Thirty. Uh, we got to be years? turning fifty years now. Yeah. So to be one. I don't of the even best think things... that's. I'm sitting here. I was about to say arguably, but I don't even think it's arguably. I think it no, is the best product with the D and D license on it. Yeah. Because because there's been some other decent ones and even some good ones, but I don't think there's been the excellent superstar level Baldur's Gate three action on any product they've had right so i get it even a lot of stuff it's like okay yeah it, you know you're you're playing it because you're a huge fan of D. this you never have to have played D. oh yeah think about D. you could absolutely still enjoy this game and many people that play it have never played any kind of D. they just you know they're into really good role-playing games this is what they then of course they also just had you know the first good D movie in history so the brand is hot like fire right now i mean i would i would even argue that that game brought a lot of people into the D brand because after they played it went oh this is what D D is yeah. you know and now they're willing to try it and they're watching more that we've seen a spike in some of the D streamer shows and stuff like that's getting a push again stranger so, yeah, things has put D out front yep. and again gotten because they did of course a stranger things uh, branded D and D set to capitalize on the popularity of that. So it's got. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Like Larian likely is already lining up ideas for another one. Wizards reported in their quarterly earnings that like they made a bunch on D and D in the last quarter. Like no surprise, right? right? Like because if there's any type of licensing deal and you're getting a percentage of any of that, like when it's the biggest game of the year, well, obviously you're making some money on it. So yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. But you know the panic of Wizards is trying to sell off D&D. I don't think that's what was going on. People saw that and immediately turned that into the narrative. And I was like, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? You just had like, your mean, hottest if, moment. I'm sure if they offer them enough money, it would be on the table. Yeah, but it but had I mean, to be an insane amount of money because the brand just prints money hand over fist. And let's be honest, Magic and D&D are about the only two, well, of course, Transformers. But yeah. those are the, the main things that are turning a profit over there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it it just, the number would have to be so big, it didn't sound like it made sense. That's what I was just like, who's really trying to buy this? Like, Tencent wants to get into the tabletop gaming and whatever. That doesn't sound right. But then when I said, oh, okay. I can see that just because they want to be everywhere. They're there. Sure, like, but, but not for the amount it would probably cost them, right? Their, their expertise is digital. So it's a, it makes sense that it's a licensing play. But we'll see where it goes. Early, It's early reports. We don't have a ton of news on it. Like I said, it took a little bit of while to kind of dig in on the story and try to get some more information. But, yeah, no panic. You know, Hasbro's not looking to sell off parts of Wizards of the Coast. That's not what's going on right now. <laughs> like, we, I'm right we can the pull story, the jets. the story where Microsoft uh, offered, offered to buy Nintendo and then had a meeting with Nintendo and announced, like, hey, what's the number? To buy Nintendo, and they said by the time the Microsoft executives left the, left the room, Nintendo's execs had been laughing for fifteen minutes. We need to buy well, Nintendo. Yeah. Get like, out of here. I mean, I'm I'm a believer that yes, everything is for sale, but the number just has to be so monumentally big. But Mario, you know? uh, uh-uh. <laughs> just no. I mean, no reason. Even if you say like Wizard of the Coast did, I don't know, let's say one point five billion or whatever last year, and D and D made up let's say a third of that, like that's still $500 million. And, and I will say that it, it obviously doesn't make sense long-term to, to part out with Wizards of the Coast or D&D. But again, that assumes the company is thinking long-term. If the stockholders just want to start 
pull in parts and burn the thing to the ground. And okay, that's a whole different conversation. But yeah, you probably would start trying to. Oh, I mean, if people want to throw around enough money, you know, like let's say Nintendo decides they want to be in the magic game and they're like, look, we'll, we'll throw 10 bill at you. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you, know, you would be money talks. To, yeah. At <laughs> but it's, it's a crazy thing, but yeah, fortunately, I don't think that's a thing we all have to worry about right now. So we, I think we can, Put that news to bed. Everybody just kind of, I think, panic posted this morning when they saw that. And it, it's not a thing. And some people were panicking. They know that, you know, hey, Wizards is trying to sell D&D is a way better headline than Wizards might make a D or a Hasbro might make a D&D game with Larry. That's, yeah. One of those headlines gets you a lot to clicks. One of those headlines gets you, yeah, what else is, what else is on YouTube today? Exactly. That's why we're here. We we know it's a big thing. We try to narrow down to a normal conversation so we can talk about it. Right? Like, but hey, it's news. What you gonna do? But all right, let's hop into the soapbox. We got a couple of things. And I gotta tell you, this first thing, it's gonna catch me heat because it always catches me heat. And I know that. But here's the thing. And it started with me making a Twitter post the other day. Actually, I think it was just yesterday. So of the time of this recording. But I basically said, look, Standard's in a great spot right now. It really is. There's, there's probably 10, 15 different decks you can play. All of them are competitive. Good stuff. But there's this problem that, especially if you're playing on the ladder and you have like limited time to play. Let's say you only have an hour and a half, two hours. You have to make the decision of conceding or playing out like this 25, 30 minute drudge fest of nothing where a deck's got like 12 to 16 sweepers in it just constantly. And it's just like, and those are even bad for content. The number of those games I have recorded and then just deleted to the point that now I'm just conceding them. Cause I'm like, I can't do anything with them. Like if I have a video, that's a 40 minute runtime, I'm not going to let even edit it down 20 minutes of it. Just be a game where nothing's happening. You know, but me playing one or two creatures, attack for like four, they get swept. Attack for two. One for wanting a creature with a sweeper because they have that's so many. Yeah, like that's just boring, right? So I make a post about it and saying like, we don't need sweepers in every single set. We just don't, right? We have like 20 plus good ones that are, or at least playable ones right now. And probably another 10 that are like specific situational ones, right? We have way too many. And we're getting a couple every set, it seems like. And then somebody, and I'm not going to just, you know, you can see my threads if you want to. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. But somebody says, oh, well, you need those in a limited environment. And no, you don't, actually. Like, one, okay, sweepers are rare to begin with, usually. They're in the rare mythic slot, right? So it's like, they're not even going to come up all that often in drafts anyway. Then the person who took it would also need to be playing those colors. And then they would also need to draw it on top of that, right? So there's a lot of games, probably the overwhelming majority, probably 95% plus, maybe even 98% plus of limited games that are never going to see a sweeper played. And the environment's still fine, and the games are still okay. But what that brought up to me is a thing that happens a lot, where if there's a complaint, somebody's first thing is to be like, oh, well, that needs to exist for a limited. But it, but it doesn't, though. Like, we could change this perspective on set design if we really thought it was necessary, right? Like, we've also talked about it on the show. Again, not saying limited shouldn't exist. I think it should. It's a great way for people to play Magic, and lots of people enjoy it. However, I know the numbers. I see what goes on, and the majority of people will never booster draft. Most will never draft of any kind, and most people will only ever play sealed at pre-release. The rest of the time, it's all constructed play. Like, this is proven over and over and again. I know some people say that's not true because they go to a store where all they do is draft. Yes, there are outliers and there are all stores where that's the case. But understand where your store exists and that's the case, there's another 10 where that's not the case. Just the way it is. So we should be putting some consideration into the constructed side of things more so because it's just more people doing it. Again, not saying we need to just, like, ignore limited play because that would be terrible. Don't want to do that. But there is a point where an environment is too... Like, hell, even now, we print almost every other set some black card that costs one or two mana that when it gets some type of bonus to the creature, and when it dies, it returns back to play with some effect. That common or uncommon exists 
almost every other set, and they almost never get played. Like, why do we keep making those? Like, people, but again, it's common, uncommon. If you tell me you want that to exist in limited environments, all right, fine. I'm not going to fight you too much on it, right? That's a good spot for that to exist. Nobody's going to be upset if they open those. But opening, like, yet another sweeper, when it's already not going to get played because two or three of the other ones already exist and they're equal or better, fine. Some people want to throw out, uh, well, that they, that's when they were doing the two-year standard when they were developing a set and blah, blah. It's like, that still doesn't account for literally the last three years' worth of sets all having sweepers in them. Like, you could cut that any way you want, any two-year stretch, and we're still going to have a bunch of them. Like, it just doesn't matter. It's just like, it's silly. It's silly that that's a thing. It's silly that we've gotten to that point where players even think that's a thing. Like, that's just, don't be wrong. Should there be control decks? Absolutely. I'm not saying control decks shouldn't exist. You know, something where you're sweeping things, maybe you got some enchantments doing some cool stuff, you got a planeswalker doing something. For sure, those decks should exist. That keeps things in checks. It's the rock, paper, scissors balance of formats. Totally for that. But not a deck where you're just not doing anything. Right? And you're just being miserable for literally 30 minutes. That has happened multiple times. Like, it's just... It's it's bad. It's not good for the game. Like, most players, the overwhelming majority of players hate that, right? Like, it's not good for content. Nobody wants to watch anybody stream that. But then it's also bad if the player just concedes the thing and just moves on because then it just people are just complaining, like, why didn't you play the game or why didn't you play it out? Like, nobody wins in that scenario, really. Like, even – and here's the thing, too. I want to be clear. It's not even because I'm losing to those decks all the time when I am playing them. I'm winning – they're just boring ass games. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like I'm winning, just nothing's happening. And I'm just like, why? Who wants to do this? Like, honestly, if that dude showed up at my local store, I'd be that dude. Just like, I'm going to give you the business the whole time we're playing. Like I'm, you're trying to make it miserable for everybody else. I'm going to make it miserable for you too. Like you're going to sit, make us sit through you playing hour plus long games with extra turns every round. Cause you brought the deck that does nothing. Oh, you're going to have to hear it the whole time. And I'm going to be funny. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but you, you're you going to hear it the whole time. <laughs> like, now, you just said that's viable. So, like, why can't they play their control deck? And, you know, so defense wins championships, man. It, and it doesn't. That's the bad part. Like, if you look across the format, those decks aren't winning anything. That That's the crazier part, that people are still willing to do it, even though the decks aren't good. But the fact that enough sweepers – like – Saffron Olive did a video, and you can probably still find it on YouTube. Just look up his channel. Like, he had, I believe it was 36 sweepers in the deck. He played four sets of nine, a variety of things that just wiped things on board. That's how, and that wasn't even all of them that are in the format. <laughs> like, the fact that that's even viable is stupid. And I guess it just sticks a giant creature at the, at the end and wins. Uh, it tried to attack with creature lands. And it had uh, what you called the one of the, the sunfall. When you remove creatures, it turns it into a an artifact. You can turn the artifact into a creature, so it's like it incubates. So you get a thing with some number of counters on it. So sometimes you can win with that, but that's literally it. It was lands and those. It had no other actual spells in the deck. Just thirty six ways of wiping the board. <laughs> that that's what it had, and I'm just like. Yeah. The, now, even in his video, he lost some games just to random stuff or whatever, because that's what's going to happen with those decks. But it was just like, yeah, that wasn't like it was fun as an experiment just to like, can it even be a thing? Like, sure. But it wasn't going to be anything consistent and win. So, yeah, it's a weird thing. But again, I don't want this. This, like I said, it's more about we need to stop just saying this has to exist for limited because we're falling back on that. And people can't even prove why it needs to exist. Like we can talk about other reasons all day, but like. If you want some stuff to exist in limited, sure, fine. Like, but that it has to, I don't think that's especially at the rare and mythic level. I don't think it necessarily has to. Now, commons, uncommons, totally. Like, those are going to be open the most. You need there to be signpost cards that people can build around and whatever. Like, hundred percent, I can get on that argument all day. Like, totally think you're right there. But when it comes to rares and mythics, like, come on, let's let's get more creative with the space. But yeah, people are going to blow me up, I'm sure. But hey. That's that's what the soapbox is for. Anyway, I'm done. What you got, Brian?
Sony had its uh, semi-regular state of play address. Well, well, today for us will be a couple of days by the time you're hearing this. But, you know, with 25, 30 million PlayStation 5s installed at this point, you could argue, what do they need to show us? And a reasonable answer is nothing. They've already sold 25, 26 million PlayStations. They could, you could just run the clock out at this point and you've kind of already won this round if winning these rounds or these console wars is still a thing. But no, they actually, they crushed the day. A lot of games I am excited about playing at some point. I guess some of them are sequels, remakes. That's part of it. You got to have those. There's a, a Sonic game looks actually pretty good. It's got kind of a, different perspective and i guess uh sonic and shadow uniting to fight uh, a common enemy though those are always cool you know and then watch the hero and I, I know shadow is still considered a villain probably more like an anti-hero or whatever but that would look great uh rise of the ronin looks incredible and before i saw that i didn't think i needed or wanted an open world samurai game with steampunk elements now i can't wait till it comes out i'm Love the combat. Love that you've got some kind of some kind of crazy wing. As I said, it really incorporates the alternate history where, okay, yeah, it's medieval Japan, but they imported guns from somewhere <laughs> and a flying suit, and just uh, he's got a grappling. It's like it kind of like Ninja Batman <laughs> almost, or Samurai Batman. And yeah, I would play that. I didn't know I needed it until today, but yeah, now I need it. I want it. It looks great. Uh, a couple more uh, Silent Hill games. And just Yeah, they are really going to... Oh, there's also a game. I knew instantly who was behind it because it looks just like Bioshock. Play like plays like Bioshock, and those games were always incredible. So I'm excited about that. That's uh, Ken Levine's new project. And yeah, again, just... They didn't need to hit a home run. They didn't need to hit a single. They just If they said, hey, look, here's, you know another Spider-Man and Kratos game, and we quit. They could have done that, but no, they dropped a lot of games that I, and looking at the uh, traffic and what's trending, yeah, a lot of people are really hyped about this game, especially Rise of the Ronin. It looks like some, because you know, every year we talk about, by the, by the time we've done, you know, 50 episodes of this podcast, we've probably talked about three, 400 games over the course of the year. Very few of them have like, okay, I haven't seen that before. I have not seen Samurai Batman with a grappling hook and a wingsuit before and open world. So, yes, I am ready to play that. You know, kind of to your point, do you ever feel that some of the companies, almost in every style of gaming, feel that they just sort of have to do an announcement thing from a PR perspective? Like, like players feel they need to know more than even that Like, there's a real business benefit? I mean, uh, t- today, I think you needed it because they dropped six or seven bangers. There's been a lot of these shows I've sat through where you just felt like, okay, they did this because every quarter they are required to do this, and it didn't feel like they had anything to show us. And, and I know that's part of it. You know, you got highly paid PR people. They, they got to earn their money to do something. So, yeah, it's just it has become anticipated that ev- every two or three months you need one of these. And I think to Nintendo's credit, I don't know that I've ever walked away from a Nintendo Direct and been like, yawn, what was all that? They do a really good job of it. As we talked about, it's what killed E3. There is no reason to for any of the major companies to need or to intend an E3 because they do their own thing. And when you do your own thing, you don't have to answer any questions from, you know, a nosy journalist about, hey, Activision, uh, about all the stuff going on in the background. He's, you know, you don't need to do that. You can go straight to the people that love your game and are going to give you nothing but positive pubs. So do it at that way. Why would you ever do it the other way? And most companies decided they're not going to do it. They're going to do their own show where they control their own narrative. That makes sense. I mean, you know, Magic does the same thing at their Magic Cons. You know, like, we're going to show off a new set, whatever. Even I don't even think they need to do that, even at the Magic Con. They could save that and do it another time. They're just doing it because it's a nice to-do for all your fans that are already there, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, every Magic set, when was the last time a Magic set didn't have record profits? It seems to be been nine or ten sets in a row where they, each thing made not just kind of significantly more money than the last one made. Yeah, we'll have to hit one likely this year. Just because last year you had like the Lord of the Rings that was insane. You know, you had like Doctor Who stuff come out. Like, 
So we'll we'll have one this year. I mean, it'll still probably make a giant pile of money. It just won't be like the best fall set we've ever had or the best spring set. We, you know, one of them will will be second or third, you know, in that category. But it's probably still going to be several, you know, tens of millions of dollars or whatever. And while we probably sound cynical, but I do want to, again, give credit to people that like Nintendo, that do these shows and do them incredibly well. And you always leave wanting to play more of their games because, you know, they didn't have to do that. And also all the companies I was there doing a great job now showing more indie games because someone let's say, okay, yeah, because Microsoft is a prime example. They just bought a whole bunch of new studios. They're trying to work things out. So they showcase indie games because I promise you, whatever console you have, whatever game genre you like, somebody somewhere is likely doing something innovative and incredible. But a lot of times it's an indie company and you don't hear about it unless somebody gives them the stage and allows them to show it to you. And people are starting to realize that. Yeah. And sometimes like, you know, we expect the big titles, like you're saying, like, you know, there's going to be a Spider-Man, there's going to be a, God of War, that's going to be whatever, right? Call we, of Duty, we know that. all of those. And yeah, we, they're like, you know, when people complain about superhero movies, the reason movie theaters are still open is because of superhero yeah. movies. Yeah. You can make yeah. the, the greatest, you know, King Speech, Oscar bait movie in the world. A small fraction of people will see that. Everybody sees Endgame. And, and in gaming, I would say everybody, but millions of people play Call of Duty, play Madden, play Final Fantasy, your industry needs those games so you have, so studios are able to make, you know, Bastion, Braid, games like that. Dude, hey, random side note, Godzilla Minus One was legit. I've heard that. And I, I have I some saw- huge kaiju fans in the house. So yeah, we're going to do that big screen. Dude, let me tell you what's crazy. Sound like, I didn't know it was totally Japanese, right? So the first couple of scenes... I'm, I'm assuming we're okay this happens in japan so there's like subtitles whatever and then we're like 15 minutes into it and i'm like oh it's just a completely japanese movie yeah. cool all right <laughs> like like i didn't know going into it but man it, it was pretty sweet and i could say for me it was probably the first one where i genuinely cared about the humans because like that before, is the key there's human elements and like you're following the human characters and then we got to go, I don't know, nuke Godzilla to wake her up or whatever. Right. Like, but this one, I was like, man, you really felt for the, I, with that, I don't want to ruin it for you. You're going to go see it. But like there's spots where like the main dude goes through some stuff and you are, you're in there in the trenches, living it with him, you know? And you're just like, God, like, he needs this to work or like, this is going to suck. <laughs> and I mean, you know, it's the classic trope of they're just here to see Godzilla and it gets applied to so many things. I mean, I even hear that when people write wrestling reviews, you know, like why, why is the crowd quiet? They're only here to see Godzilla. Yeah. And, and for that night, Godzilla might be, you know, Cody Rhodes or Daniel Bryan or whoever, but yeah, there's, I, there's I will tell trope. you this, you know, not to get too much into it, but I think, cause for people who don't know, like, Godzilla is basically a corollary for like the World War II bombing and everything else. And like, you know, Americans, we got Superman because we got the good side and whatever. And yep. they kind of got Godzilla as a reminder of like, this is all the devastation that happened. Yep. You really get the feel for that in, in this movie. Like, even if you don't know, like you mentally will start putting two and two together because yeah. of how they, they wrote it out. Like it's, it's really good. And then, you know, so many writers, because as America, you know, people are really seeing that, yeah, America has done some foul things from a military standpoint. And sometimes it comes to war, for sure. Yeah. And sometimes you would argue, you know, okay, to to win World War II, you you needed to do things like that. But yeah, writers now, if Superman is that, hey, truth, justice, now we're seeing Omni Man, Homelander, where, hey, what if. Superman was an unrepentant a-hole. It's like, no, you don't want that. Even even the people who remember the 90s, that great story where Superman fights the elite and you think you want the guy, and, and there's a scene of that where Superman just, okay, this is what you want. You start slinging people into space, you know, and then you realize, no, the worst thing ever would yeah. be Superman if he didn't have restraint. <laughs> Dude, you know, you know, back to your point about like Microsoft, you know, even showing off more uh, indie companies. 
I still remember going back to like the Xbox One when they would showcase a couple of indie games on there, you know, and played like Castle Crashers or whatever, you know. And it's like, man, sometimes the simple games can just be a lot of fun and they're cheap. You spend like five bucks, play that thing for a and week, and that's for... the best five dollars you ever spent, right. you know. And it does feel like some of the the, the Xbox stuff I've seen recently. It kind of has that feel of oh, remember when they would do the summer of arcade every year? Yeah, and you know. He, he's uh, since retired, but uh, Major Nelson from Xbox Live would do the best write-ups about, you know, why you should play this game and that, that this this one is different. He, again, talk about great PR people. Major Nelson just was that, that kind of guy. Reggie from Nintendo is the same way. They can just get you so hyped about a project as opposed to people standing there reading charts and graphs. You know, we, we, I don't know how many times you got to tell people, as gamers, we at the end of the day, don't, there's that one percent that are arguing on the forums. Ninety-nine percent of us don't care how many units you sold. We don't care how much money you made. We care if the game is fun. Get yep. to that part of the conference. That that's my deal with so many things. Like at the end of the day, it's just like, is it entertaining? Right. Like when I go when I go see a movie, I don't need it to be an Oscar worthy whatever. Like, just did I enjoy it? Did I have fun coming? Did I laugh? Did I cry? Whatever, right? Was it entertaining? That That's my thing for, if I watch a YouTube video, like, was I entertained for my 15 minutes? Whatever it is, right? That's what everything comes down to. I don't care about, it could be any level of production. It could be any actors. It could be any directing. It could be any CGI. Just, is it entertaining, right, at the end of the day? Yep. That's also part of what killed E3. There was too many people standing there reading charts and graphs and not enough hate. Because you can make anything feel like homework <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you do it wrong. And when you're talking about God of War and you're putting the audience to sleep, yeah, you're doing it wrong at that point. <laughs> well, all right, let's hop into what did we learn this week because I think we each have two very different things this time. And yours might be a little more happy than mine. So yeah. what you got? The uh, Madden Championship Series is going on this week where, uh, you know, the world's best Madden players uh, get together and play for, I think, the the total prize pool is something like $1.7 million. It's insane. And uh, there's in, it's the ultimate team format where you just pick, you know, pick all your favorite players or as many as you can afford or, or, or unlock and put them all on the same team. There's one card, uh, Peyton Hillis, the White Rhino, as, as he was it was called during his brief time in the spotlight. That card's just overpowered. He just, I've since, since I heard about this, I went ahead and said that the the buddy bought it to see if it was like they. It really is like they said it was. There are drives where, yeah, I run White Rhino down the field with them knowing I'm going to run the ball every time. They quit because they realize they're never going to stop this. I will score every time. So a bunch of the players just got together and made a gentleman's agreement that, yes, this card is ridiculous. It's busted. These games won't be fun. They probably won't. You know, all this is obviously streamed on Twitch and YouTube and everywhere. We're not going to use this card. <laughs> we, 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 I don't care who else. You, just not Peyton Hillis. So you, and people were, were sitting there going, wait, wait, this is, is that, you know, do I not know something about Madden? Why are they using Peyton Hillis? And then, you know, it's been, since it's leaked out, I've been explaining, like, yeah, they all just had a gentleman's agreement to not use the most broken card in the game. So, I mean, shout out to them. And, and yeah, I think the games really are a lot better because you get to see, hey, okay, if we take your <laughs> if we take your greatest weapon away from you, what else can you do? What else can you come up with? I think a lot of the players really, they wanted to show their creativity. They want to win, not because they had a player that was overpowered, but because you know, they're, they feel like I'm better at Madden than the person sitting across from me. That's what you want to do. And again, credit, because with games where $25,000 a piece, you know, it had to be tempted to just be like, F all y'all. I'm using Peyton Dillis. <laughs> we play so, for the money. <laughs> I, I think there's actually like a reasonable point there where each of them kind of is in the spot of like, well, if you use it, then I kind of have to use it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so like, you don't want to be in that situation. It's like, mutually assured destruction. Yeah, like, I have to like use something less warfare. fun because yeah. you're also going to use a thing that's less fun. So like, okay, that sucks. But then also, if you know it's streaming, now you're in an even more weird spot because the people that are fans or that follow you or whatever, now they're going to be talking trash about you because you use the busted card 
but like you kind of had to use the busted card. You know what I mean? Like it, uh, it's it probably was all in their best interest to not play with it. Because I think a lot of them remember the tournament from a few years ago. Some genius realized, you know, obviously you know, running quarterbacks break the game. They break the sure. real game of football. Lamar Jackson can do things that Brock Purdy or, or a, a less mobile quarterback can't do. Somebody figured out that punters were not coded to fumble. So if they put their punter in at quarterback, they can use a quarterback running play so they can find a broken one the game three or four yards each time, and they would never fumble. So, yeah, somebody put his punter at quarterback, ran the whole game that way, and, yeah, he was winning, but, my God, the games were painful to watch. And he did a brilliant thing. It, was, it would have never in a million years occurred to me, hey, let me see if the punter can fumble. So, you know, brilliant move on him. But, yeah, it made that tournament so boring. And I think a lot of them remember that and said, you know, we don't want to – it's not fun to play against like you talked about with all the sweepers, you know. Dude, you know what? And this brings up something I talked about in the beginning, maybe around like episode 60 or so. But people think that, like, anybody can be a competitive gamer. But even think about it. Like, the fact that he put in a punter as a running back or a quarterback – you know, is a thing that he had to spend time to like break down numbers and look through stuff and, you know, figure out that that was even a thing. Like, I, I think I told the story before where I had a friend who they were trying to be a competitive, I think it was Call of Duty team, if not, but he was a first person shooter of some kind. And they literally had a whole regimen of like, okay, we're going to test these guns. We're going to shoot these distances. We're going to do this thing. And they literally knew if they could even make a headshot from a certain distance with each rifle or with each gun, right? So they're not even going to waste a shot giving away their position because they know it's not even possible. You know what I mean? Like, that's the level these people are going. Same thing with magic. Like, people know all the matchups and all the cards and the thing that's better against this thing. And they've perfected the, the best use of each sideboard card. And Like, the people that are the best put time into these things. So I totally get it. If I was playing Madden and I'm at that level, there's a card that's busted. We know we're all going to play it. It's not going to be entertaining hey, let's just not use it. And let's just win money the fun way, and let's do it. Has it, has it ever happened to Magic where everybody just got together beforehand and like, this thing is busted, we're not using this card? No, because when a card is, Wizards is just banned it. <laughs> like, so, like, you don't, you don't have to worry about that. Like, also if true. it reaches a point it's too good, Wizards just says, like, no, nobody's going to use this card. Yeah. Like, end of story. That's also part of it. Like, EA probably ain't doing that because, hey, people are paying us money for this card. You know, they they might nerf it in a week or two, right? <laughs> when they get around to it, or the, and yep. then the nerf might somehow make the card even better. That was the last thing they 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 thought they fixed the fatigue system, and apparently they made it worse. That happens three or four times a year where they fix a thing and break through other things. All right, mine isn't nearly as interesting, but it does bring up something that sort of surprised me because I I've gotten to the point, and maybe I just take some things for granted at times. But I figured if you're under the age of probably 35 or so now, you kind of have an idea of how content creation works. Not that you would know all the details if you're not a content creator. But, I mean, people even now are editing photos on their phone and, you know, silly things. So, like, you have an idea of how long even simple tasks take, right? But MTG Nerd Girl, if you don't know her, you should follow her. She makes tons of great content, helps a lot of people out. But she has a channel called Decked Out where they do commander videos. I've been on there a couple of times. She was posting that, hey, we lost a couple of our sponsors. So here's some things we're going to do. Here's some help we need from some of our fans. You know, whatever. Just drumming up some extra money. Help keep the lights on because they have a team of people that work on their stuff. Well, of course, there's always going to be the knuckleheads. Well, somebody smarted off and basically said the equivalent of, well, you're spending too much time editing your videos. And if you want to make more money, you should spend less time and just put out more videos. And it's like, that's not that's not really how it works. We never like, thought of that. <laughs> it never occurred to us. To, you know, yeah, like, could they? Time. Sure, if you want lower quality stuff. I mean, like, even on my own content. Like, I have some where I'm just like, I've changed the format when I know I'm going to have less time. And some of the stuff gets less editing and doesn't look as polished or whatever. Like, because it all takes time. Right. Like, and even now, you could Google, like, how long does it take to make a YouTube video or whatever? And I think the blurb that comes up is something like 10 to 20 minutes of YouTube video generally takes 
eight to 20 hours, depending on camera perspectives, music, editing skill, whatever. They're doing 45 minute to hour long videos because they're commander games. Yeah. Right. I can tell you from shooting with them without giving away everything. Like there's no less than three camera angles at any given time that they're having to go in, splice together, line up, find fun parts that have good shots, you know, do graphic overlays, find the right music. They do pre and post interview stuff that has to get laced in in the parts where it makes sense. So it tells the narrative of the video, right? You're not going to knock that out in eight hours. Like, it's just not possible. I mean, each of those cameras probably has an hour and a half worth of footage to scrub through. You know what I mean? Like, that alone is going to take you time to find all the parts you want and whatever between each camera. So it's just like, that's just not a thing. Like, but it was amazing to me to see how many people really just have no idea somehow. Like, even though some of these people, it takes them 10 or 20 minutes just to get the right editing in or out of somebody in a picture on their phone, right? You don't really understand that for somebody to do that times 100 to make a video. With multiple people in it. Yeah, it's going to take a while, right? You know, just like, that's so weird, you know, because now don't get me wrong. You can make some content that requires less editing. I, I have a belief that a lot of game industry content is done simpler and not as good as it could be or whatever because people are just trying to turn it over as fast as possible. Not saying there's anything wrong with it, but that's just a choice. But when you see these stuff like Decked Out does, like Game Nights, like, hell, even The Professor and how he shoots his stuff, right? Like, these involve multiple cameras, multiple background shots, Sometimes re-edit to voice over some stuff, finding the right graphics, you know, researching stuff if you need to put blurbs on screen with prices or whatever, right? All of that takes some amount of time. And, you know, money, because you probably need somebody with better editing skills. So you're, you have an editor helping you or a sound engineer or whatever, right? That all has a cost, whether it's time or money. So I get it. Hell, even for myself, I just now have like an editor that's helping with just some short form content. And even that has a price, you know, <laughs> it's just like, but it's saving me time that I could work on one of the other million projects I'm involved in. So like, it's just got to give somewhere. You know, it's it just like you said, no concept of, I mean, I, there have been, and I'm sure you two have had idea. Y'all have no idea how many ideas we have that don't ever even get, get taped because it just, Let's say you 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 need ten games of footage and you can't. Yep. You, you, games aren't interesting. People just think, or or you have an idea like maybe I have a idea for an offense I want to run in Madden and I try it for a few games and I either like, if if the game is you know fifty six to nothing that's not fun fun to watch, but also if the game is you know, just any number of things. There was a day where I kept getting matched up against the same obnoxious 10-year-old kid listening to incredibly loud gangster rap. And, yeah, this all becomes completely unusable. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing, too. Thing. That's a good point, right? You have times where just the content you have isn't good or you have to reshoot stuff or whatever, right? That's got to be figured into those costs as well. And that's if you're not paying a guest to be there or something else or whatever, right? Whatever other related expenses you have. So it's tough, man. There's there's a lot that still goes into content that I guess a lot of people still don't understand. You know, when I tell people there are days I literally like Wednesday is my long day content wise because I'm recording stuff. I'm usually responding to emails. I'm scheduling things. I record two podcasts. I'm editing a video like I will literally be in this chair today recording for probably the better part of. 13 hours, right? That that's real, and people are like, "How?" Or these, I'm like, "Cause they're just the, the time's got to go somewhere." Yeah, that's how <laughs> like, we get paid. Yeah, like I used it's to, still a job. I used to do, uh, and Saturdays would be my long day because I would teach those stand-up comedy defensive driving courses that you've seen. I'm sure in mm-hmm. a million sitcoms and TV shows, and that costs eight hours. The about the only way you know to get fired from doing that is to let people out early. So, of course, they would spend the whole – they're like little kids. Grown people would spend eight hours trying to get out of a class. I would tell them before the course starts, I'm your punishment. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you until you figure out how to stop speeding, you go come in here and, and listen to stand-up comedy. Or, you know, you're, open, you're an eight-hour open mic. <laughs> These jokes hadn't been tested yet. I'm testing them on you. I would do that eight-hour class. 
Then I would go somewhere and do a murder mystery show for anywhere between two to four hours, depending on how long that would take. And yeah, by the end of it, you just who Dude, am I ain't gonna I? lie. Where as am a, I? As a stand-up comedian, if you need to workshop some material, having a captive audience for eight hours is kind of legit. Right? <laughs> it really is. That was kind of a smart gig for you, honestly. It, you really it, it ended up helping a lot, you know. And of I course, we, people, you know, for the first thing, people would, would go up to right to your face. Are you funny? And I'd be like, well, obviously not as funny as Jerry Seinfeld, because Jerry Seinfeld doesn't do these courses anymore yeah. if he ever did. Not as funny as Chris Rock. Chris Rock doesn't have to do this. You're going to get what you paid for. Stop you're gonna, you're gonna, You're going to get Chris Rock at home. Right? <laughs> Stop with you. And still, you would see the same people multiple times a year. Soon as they could, soon as the stuff expired and they could take it again, back again. Yep. All right, let's hop into a couple of topics because we are running a little bit long. So we're kind of back on Twitch stuff again, and it looks like they may, I don't know if I'd say losing because she probably will still stream some there, but she's moving the bulk of her streaming over to YouTube, and we're talking I, about Pokemon. Yeah, I was under the impression it was exclusive. I oh, thought she is was it? Like, I, I didn't I see that, but okay, maybe she's moving everything over there. Yeah, I think she was saying bye-bye to Twitch totally if I'm... Fair enough. Somebody, somebody either else either way, Pokemon is huge right. on Twitch. So any percentage of her time going away is definitely going to be a big chunk of viewers and view time going away yeah. from the platform. Yeah, Kotaku's lead star, she is leaving Twitch. Okay, there you go. So she's going to be over on the YouTubes. And this is kind of what we talked about before. I, I don't think Twitch is going away, right? But I think who is on the platform, how it's used... Like that's definitely changing, and that gap on where people generally are going to choose to stream is definitely smaller, right? Because we've talked about it before. YouTube still gives you the discoverability; it still lets you easily transfer like some of your live footage into videos that can also generate money. It has nice built-in shorts now. That's a thing. You can sell your merchandise directly through it. There's all these other things, right? It offers a lot of stuff that you don't necessarily have on Twitch. So if you're a big creator, it kind of makes sense to want to be over there on YouTube. But, I mean, if you're younger, we still think about Twitch as being the place to stream your games, right? People think about Twitch first, and that's probably where it's going to be. Now, At the end where of the does day, Kick fit into all this? I don't know. You know, I like, mean, if, if, you, if you regularly platform white supremacist, that's going to be your platform right there. I mean, dude, it's it's tough because, like, don't get me wrong, like being able to get a larger percentage of the money that comes in, like sounds great. But also knowing that I would be on a platform and whether you like them or not, Aiden Ross has said some very questionable things just with his whole chest live. Like, I don't know if I want to be on that platform with those people and those things coming around. Like, I that's yeah, he'll tough. often do the, the he'll do the Joe Rogan slash Aaron Rodgers. We're like, I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking. I'm not saying, you know. I'm not yeah, he, saying that, that he ain't saying. He'll be what like, he's saying, right? You know? like, <laughs> I'm not saying that Nazis has some interesting rhetoric. My guest is saying that some of the Nazi rhetoric gets yeah, me it's, things. It's, to think it's about. been pretty pretty questionable for a few things. So right now they've gotten a few people and they've gained some traction, but I don't think they've gotten the reach people expected them to get by this stage. You know, we've been talking to them for a better part of two years now, and they don't seem like they've really gotten that big market share chunk that a lot of people thought they were going to get. I think they, people thought there's going to be a big mass exodus to kick, but it turns out more people are still going to YouTube. I mean, you know, we were talking about a couple weeks ago, YouTube is still the biggest platform that people out here using. Yeah. And, and, and it makes sense. You know, Pokemon crunched those numbers. And again, and I want to give her all the credit of the world for being a tremendous success in an industry where, let's be honest, there are so many cards stacked against women. And just, sure. Just, you know, in terms of just industry things, and then you talk about you know, just the harassment, <laughs> the knuckleheads that she has to deal with that you or I aren't going to encounter because, you know, they're just like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, we talk all the time about all the things women have to deal with that just are, are mind-boggling because so much of the audience has you know, is just full of 
a-holes that, you know, act like they have never seen a woman before. <laughs> now, let me say this. When I was looking up stuff on Pokemon, there was another, I'll call it a rumor at this point, that seems to be permeating a few groups. So I don't know what, you know, maybe there's one of those, if there's smoke, there's fire kind of things, but nothing confirmed by any stretch. This is strictly in rumor status, but apparently we all know Twitch has been having money issues or whatever, and we've talked about the layoffs and all that, but there's a chance that, or at least there have been discussions about the free Twitch Prime subs potentially going away. Now, again, rumors, there have been things to just try to hold on to them, but when we talk about things that need to be changed or maybe going away, apparently that's shown up on a couple of lists before. And I'm not surprised that it would show up because if we believe Twitch's numbers, they are still not profitable. So as long as you're not profitable, you're looking at ways to try to achieve profitability. And they've also... Let me me say, though, this does add some extra weight to what we talked about last week where they made it a little easier to get into these other levels and now you can get like a 60-40 or a 70-30, right? Because if you lose those free Twitch Prime subs... Well, now you can still make close to the same amount or even a little bit more at a 60-40 split or, or 70-30 split with those going away. But for the lower level creators, especially if you're you you know you're not going to ever get to that 60-40, and maybe this is a good side hustle where you're making two, three hundred a, a week or whatever, a big chunk of your subscriptions are going to be those free Prime subs. So we'll see. We'll see, because if that changes, I think that would be a big thing that you would see people start possibly going to other platforms. If Especially if they're right at the cusp and they haven't been able to make that jump. If nothing else, they probably start doing YouTube videos and whatever to try to build their audience to get at least monetized so then they could start doing their streaming over there. But as it stands, Twitch is still the easiest, I think, of the platforms to get monetized on, at least to reach affiliate compared to pretty much everybody else. So it's probably still going to keep them in the front running, being the place people want to stream. I think the question just becomes, once you've made it and you're consistent, is it the home for everybody? That that absolutely could be a thing where, you know, maybe Twitch becomes NXT and YouTube becomes, you know, getting promoted to the Monday Night Raw roster. That could, and again, as you mentioned, a lot of people are never going to make it to that 60-40 level. So Twitch will still have... And that's the thing I want to mention is that, hey, yeah, okay, with Pokemon leaving, millions of views have opened up. So this is going to be an opportunity for lots of other for someone. people. someone, yeah. Yeah, you just got to figure out how to take advantage of it. All right, let's talk about some standard magic because something interesting has been going on. I recently started trying to prep for the upcoming set release, and I'm going to snag a couple of cards. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just put one of my deck lists in on a few sites so I can just compare prices and whatever and see what's up. And lo and behold, even where there were a lot of commons and uncommons that were needed, I was having trouble building a whole deck list on any of the websites. And I'm talking about all the big ones. We're talking about Cool Stuff, Card Kingdom, TCG Player, Star City. Like, a bunch of people are out of some cards. And I was like, oh, well, this is interesting. So then I started looking at some individual cards in Standard that I know were popular and played in a bunch of decks. And some people were running low on stock or some only had one version in or just out of some altogether. And I was like, okay. So for all these people trying to say that nobody's playing Standard and nobody's buying Standard cards, like, that ain't true. <laughs> like, that now, part of this is probably also some of these places have not been buying enough Standard singles in the interim and they weren't prepared for some of this or whatever but a lot of standard cards have gone up a lot of stuff is selling out i was talking to other people on twitter x whatever but on twitter like (laughs) but i was talking to folks and they were saying the same thing like dude i haven't been able to build full deck list in a while you know yeoman five we've talked about him before he i've done some you know we talk about magic online he was saying the same thing he was wanting to build a deck to start going to these rcqs He's like, man, I had to buy cards from like five different sites to to finish off a deck or wherever. And we started seeing the new stuff already for Murders at Karlov Manor. And that set already has a bunch of cards that are seven, eight, fifteen, twenty dollars. It ain't even officially gone on sale yet. We're in pre-order time, right? And these aren't I know people say, oh well, some of that's commander players. Yeah, sure, some of it, but there's also some cards that are 
only being played in standard, especially when we're talking about some of the commons and the uncommons to fill out some of these decks. Nobody's playing these in modern. Nobody's playing them in commander. These are just yeah, in standard decks. Nobody's doing clues and investigations in their well, commander I mean, deck. Hell, yeah, nobody's playing play with fire in some of these older formats, right? They're just playing lightning bolts. You know what I mean? Like, no. So some of these cards are only in standard or only popular in standard and are still selling out. So maybe, just maybe, all this stuff Wizards been doing and prepping and bringing back you know, making RCQ standard, bringing back the standard showdowns, which I think start in February, if I'm not mistaken. You know, more events based around standard has gotten people interested in playing more. I mean, it sounds crazy, but like maybe it's actually working. <laughs> like maybe it's a thing. But the numbers say there's maybe money to be made in standard again. And and I'm expecting, because, you know, every spring we get, I keep forgetting what we're called, but the pre-built decks, they'll do like four different ones, and they're usually about $35, $40. I expect we'll get those again in either March or April. That's going to be another big push for standard, because then you're going to have people saying, oh, I can just go spend $40 and maybe pick up another $20 in singles, and I've got close to a top competitive deck? Like, sure. So then now those people are going to want to play because they were able to build an affordable deck. So like this is going to be an interesting time, I think, for Standard throughout this year to see, can we get back to the push we want? But I will tell you, there's been several retailers that said, you know, early last year, man, I don't even know why we can't get anybody to play Standard. I don't know Wizards, why Wizards just going to this thing or whatever as we got into the summer and they announced it, you know. And now some of those people are like, oh, yeah, our last RCQ had 25 people, you know, where they didn't have anybody playing before or like barely got six or eight folks. And now they're getting... 20 people coming into play. You know, some people are starting to add it to their Friday Night Magic again, where before it was just like draft or commander, right? So something's happening. I don't know how big it is yet, but enough is happening that we're seeing movement across the board. And I've, I've said before, when new sets are able to sell because people can get into the game easier, there's an entry point where you don't have to know a thousand cards, you know, or whatever. Or I guess you don't have to know a thousand. You don't have to know 10,000 cards. Mm -hmm you know, it becomes a lot easier for them to understand and learn the formats or whatever. So I think this is a good thing. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, MagicCon Chicago is even supposed to have a big standard event, if I remember right. So showcasing even big tournaments again with big prizes for standard. So, hey, here we are. I don't know. But I'm with you, what, you know. Go ahead. I was say, what, what if somebody's buying it all up and they're going to do a colossal 24-hour flip it and rip it stream? <laughs> You know what though? That that'd be a move. You definitely get some viewers. Yeah. <laughs> like I bought up all the shieldreds I could find online just right? to tear them. Oh off. my god! Oh man! I mean, think about how many, you you got to get a couple hundred thousand views on it though, right? You know what I mean? Like it'd probably be worth it if you. It if was you, me, Barry. I broke stand. <laughs> I mean, if you got money like that, I guess yeah. go for it. You know, you just make everybody else's shieldreds way more expensive. But hey, whatever. <laughs> and then you can make a video about that <laughs> Just, yep that's how you become the villain in an easy step right there well, all right let's start talking about something here on the dinner table because this is another one of those conversations that i don't think either of us know either either person's answer so this will be fun but what is your biggest regret or something you would do over or change in regards to the game industry and it, you could, it could be anything you've done as far as events, maybe content, places you did or didn't go, things you didn't, didn't buy, did or didn't buy, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it, it just, if we're talking, you know, time travel, do I have full knowledge of the future? As yeah, as why, not? Okay. why not? I would love to go and cover Gamergate again, because when that first hit, we had I remember the day, you know, we just it started like, hey, there's this weird story alleging that this that, that this uh, woman, you know, was I, I guess it would be accused of trading, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, I, I guess uh, attention for <laughs> for, mm -hmm. for positive reviews and. I remember we, we almost read just, hey, with the, the, the initial story about that. And I'm like, wait, you know, my newspaper says to kick in. We don't have enough evidence or even close enough evidence to accuse Zoe Quinn of, of what she's being accused of. We got to pump the brakes. And 
would have never envisioned <laughs> what Gamergate ended up becoming. So, God, I would love to go back in time and been infinitely more prepared to cover that. And then for all the hate and just because it get better than half our staff at the site I was at at that time, including a couple of the editors uh, were women. And obviously <laughs> covering Gamergate as a woman was yeah. a whole different thing because contrary to <laughs> not even popular belief, but it was never about ethics and game journalism. It was really mostly about <laughs> harassing women that were in the gaming space. Yeah, that could that could have done a lot too if you were one of the first people on the story. Yeah. And really pushing it. Uh like that's that's a good one. That could have done something. Man, I like okay, my first issue with these types of questions is I'm one of those weird people that doesn't live with a lot of regret, right? Like I'm a big believer that I got to where I am because all of these other things happened, right? Like if I change any of those things, I don't know that I'm even going to end up the same person, right? Because Speaking life of, experiences shape you. Yep. Right? Speaking of time travel, that's the butterfly effect. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah exactly. Thing, that's the other part, right? So that that's the reason happen. I don't really think about this type. Even now, I have people that ask me all the time, oh, do I ever think about the, the store? Do I ever wonder what's going on? And I'm like, no, I really don't. Like, my honestly, even when I sold it, I, I could have made a deal with somebody where I retained a percentage of ownership. And I specifically did not do that type of deal so that I didn't have to worry about it. Like, it's just, it's over, it's done. I'm out, new portion of my life. I'm not even going to worry about it. So, like, that's just how I roll. I've always been that way. And if the decision doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. That's part of living. Not everything succeeds. You learn from it, you move on. That said, for entertainment purposes, <laughs> for the sake of this question, I would probably go back to the point where when I had the time before the store, like was we really kind of got in our groove and things were taken off, probably take more business courses. Because while I had gone to school for commercial art, advertising, whatever, like I kind of understood parts of business, but I had to on the fly learn stuff about like taxes and, you know, how certain things interact locally and government related stuff and, you know, OSHA requirements. And, you know, like that was literally just like, we were going to do a thing. I had, I had to spend a couple of days researching something. And, and cause you know, I'm from the time in the before time where not all this stuff was just easily accessible on the internet either. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so I had to either go to a library or go to the small business association or whatever. And just like, hardcore cram information to learn a thing your answer too. your answer combined with my answer and, and, and go back in time and a couple of these websites i wrote for are maybe still in business but you're not kidding so so many of the courses we needed to take probably especially where i went to school probably weren't even available for example oh, yeah, not now, not for things we need today for sure yeah, yeah. Now in uh you know uh my oldest uh, son is in high school and it, one of his courses is basically you know he has a part time job and his coursework you know he just kind of talks about his job turns in you know his how many hours he worked this week and then kind of writes and explains what's going on and then what he's learned from that and man if I had had a course like oh, that yeah. in high school just yeah just basics it, it, of you know just basics of doing keeping a job. So things because like i did a lot like i've said before i've done like after school programs i've done stuff with the city and we've done stuff with like baylor university and whatever but it's like i feel like so many of those things would have been easier if i had the the higher end credentials and knowledge that i wasn't bringing into it because i mean i took over at 21 literally like not long after i turned 21 no money in the bank effectively you know and just ran with it so I'm not upset at how things happen. I feel like, you know, I really accomplished a lot knowing nothing going into it. But man, if I'd have thought about it and said, oh, you know what? Let me go ahead and take these early, like two years, maybe in the evenings, take some business courses or whatever, work on getting that just extra business knowledge that I didn't have would have been, would have made the road a lot smoother. <laughs> like would have changed a lot of things. But, you know, like I said, not upset because I still learned a lot. I just learned it the hard way. You know, like, but but it's stuff even now I'm able to apply to stuff working for myself again and whatever, which 
is nice because there are some other creators I see that struggle with some concepts and things because they haven't had to go through that yet. So, you know, it's all good. But yeah, like I said, it's nothing I really dwell on, but if I had to do something over, that's probably one of the things for sure. Because I just, even now when people ask me, because I usually get it once or twice a year as people found out I run a game store business before, I'd be like, hey, I'm thinking about opening a store. What are some of the first things I should do? And I literally tell people, take a business or a tax course. And, you know, because I'm like, I'm going to tell you not to do it because running your own business is tough and most people fail and they're going to waste money. And 40, 50 percent are not going to succeed beyond like two or three years. Just the stats. But go in as prepared as you can and take those courses. I'm like, okay, yeah, but after that, I was like, go do that first and then we can talk. Right. I know you want to hear about all the fun parts, but that information, dude, the number of times I had something show up and I'm just like, oh, I paid that last month. And then I'd call them and they're like, oh, no, no, that was like inventory taxes. This is like state sales tax or this is this other thing or whatever. This is unemployment, something or other. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, things now I know. But like at the time, I'm just like another thing. I just OK, I got to add that to the calendar every month to know that that's a thing that's got to be taken care of. Like, yeah, just it's interesting, you know, the things as you get older, where your perspective lies on stuff. But anyway, Brian, watch over where they can find you on the social media and we'll wrap this up. All right. I am Brian Sionic on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me everywhere at Power Dragon, P O W R D R A G N. Come follow me. There's going to be a lot of stuff as Murders of Karlov Manor drops. But as always, wherever you are watching or listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. Remember to be awesome, and most importantly, be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 